Now they remember. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to start right out this morning with the scriptures. So if you have your Bible and want to turn to Mark chapter 1, we're going to be looking at a story there found in verses 21 through 31. This takes place just after Jesus has called uh, the disciples, James and John and Peter and Andrew, from their fishing boat to come and follow me and become fishers of men. And the story takes place on a Sabbath. Jesus and his disciples went to the synagogue as uh, usual. And while they were there, Jesus was teaching, which was fairly common. But on this particular Sabbath, there was a man there who was possessed by a demon who uh, interrupted the service, and Jesus ends up casting the demon out of this man. And people were pretty astounded by both his teaching and the healing, and they left that day after the service wondering out loud, who is this man who's been given this kind of authority? Afterwards, Jesus and his disciples headed home for lunch, but it turned out lunch wasn't ready yet. Uh, as soon as they had left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, he took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. Other uh, gospels say that she prepared a meal for them. And I like this story because it gives us a picture of Jesus in the home of one of his followers, um, loving and caring for his family. This person wasn't just someone that they ran into as they were traveling about. This was Peter's uh, mother-in-law. It was somebody that Peter knew and loved. And, of course, Jesus loved her too, and on this ordinary Sabbath day, he, he touched and healed her. And she got up, and like good Jewish mamas do, she fixed them a meal. I'm wondering how many of you have Sunday din- dinner in the microwave, uh, in the oven, or in the crock pot at home right now? Sunday dinner's cooking even as we speak. Eh, neither do I. <laughs> Isn't, that... <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know, Sunday dinner used to be a big deal. Do you remember back in the day? Yeah, our family always went to church, and we always had a big Sunday dinner afterwards. And there were seven of us kids, so Sunday morning found us getting ready for church, you know, trying to find those lost shoes and waiting in line for the one and only bathroom that we had and, you know, helping Mom prepare Sunday dinner uh, and get it in the oven. And and Mom uh, would, you know, be dressed for church, but she'd have her apron on, getting ready for that meal, and she had a whole drawer of aprons next to the sink, and uh, this is mine. I found it in my mother's things when she passed away, and she had my name uh, written on a piece of paper and safety pinned to it, so I, I'd know it was mine, and my sister had had one there, and I wasn't a very big child, and apparently I peeled egg, uh, peeled potatoes at a very young age. But Sunday dinner was family time, and often our grandma and grandpa would come home from church with us and have dinner, and my grandma Scoble didn't drive, so sometimes my mom would pick her up. And she never went to church with us. I always thought it was because she didn't believe in God, but now as an adult looking back, I wonder 
if she just didn't want to get in the rambler with <laughs> seven kids fighting over who had to sit over that hump in the middle, you know, the big homes. But when Grandma came for dinner, she fixed, uh, came for uh, Sunday, she fixed dinner. I didn't have to peel potatoes. But, but Sunday was a big deal in those days. And when I read this scripture, it reminded me a little of Sunday growing up. The disciples and Jesus had gone to the synagogue just as they did every Sabbath. And, of course, on this Sabbath, their Sabbath was on Saturday. Uh, it wasn't Sunday. But they went to worship. And Jesus taught, and he preached, and he healed. And afterwards, Jesus and the disciples walked in the warm sunshine and then stepped into the cool of Peter's home, anticipating the smells of a great Sunday dinner, looking for the dishes on the table. But this Sabbath, there wasn't any lamb on the grill. There's no jello salad with mandarin oranges, no pineapple cake upside down, you know. And the text doesn't mention Peter's wife, but we know from other scriptures that he had a wife, and I imagine she's the one who immediately told Jesus about her mother. Uh, That's what we all would have done. And, of course, uh, we don't know that, but what we do know is that when Jesus came home from the synagogue with Peter, and when Jesus entered this picture, Peter's wife's mom was healed. She was made whole. She was restored to her family. Jesus has the power to heal, to make whole, to to restore people to health. So my question for you today is this. As we sit here together, what or who is in need of healing? If Jesus showed up right now, who would we want him to touch and to heal? Or if Jesus went home with you for Sunday dinner... Don't you wish you to put something in the, <laughs> the oven now? <laughs> what would he find there that needs healing? What, what would you bring to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you touch and heal this? What's broken and needs to be restored? What seems hopeless? What, what hurts? What fears do you have about tomorrow? What, what is empty and needs filling? What or who would you bring to Jesus and say, please touch and heal this? What or who in your home or in your life needs Jesus' healing touch? Uh, There's a line there in your message notes to to write something down. And it's thicker and bolder than I wanted it to be, but I could not figure out how to change that. So I need the microwave expert, a microwave. Uh, soft experts to uh, help me with that. But I just encourage you to write something on that line. You know, there are many, many, many stories of healing in the Gospels. In fact, one quarter of the stories in the Gospel are about Jesus healing somebody. Uh, Apparently, Jesus wants to relieve suffering, to restore people to health and to life, to, to make who he is known through those kinds of uh, actions. And we know that he can heal, but we have also seen that there are times that he doesn't heal, at least in the way that we want or how we would ask. 
And that can leave us with a lot of questions and with doubts and feelings of discouragement. Maybe some of you have been praying for a very long time for his healing touch and not seeing any change. And um, our response can be to give up, to just think, well, okay, he's not, he's not going to do anything. But if we do that, we'll miss out on God's best. So this morning I want to look at some actions we can take when we seek Jesus' healing touch in our lives and in the lives of others in the hope that we'll have the courage to continue to seek, uh, keep asking and to keep seeking healing in our lives and, and for the lives of others. So in your message notes, three essentials when seeking God's healing. And the first is to act on your faith in Jesus. To, to act on your faith. Um, we see many examples of this in the Gospels. There, you know, four men carrying their paralyzed friend uh, to Jesus and then lowering him through a hole in the roof, right, when they couldn't get through the crowd. Uh, a father seeking out Jesus and begging him to come and heal his dying daughter. Uh, a woman who reached out and touched the hem of a gar- his garment, knowing if she could just touch him, she'd be healed. And Jesus has the ability and the authority to heal. He's able to heal because of who he is. People were healed when they acted on what they believed about Jesus. And they acted in faith in a variety of ways. Uh, The blind man called out to him, Jesus, son of God, son of David, heal me. The centurion sent a servant, right? He didn't go himself. He sent someone else. The leper made his way through the forbidden zone and fell down at his feet. And today, today, you know, we aren't able to go to, into Jesus' physical presence, but we seek him in prayer. That's the primary way that we act on our faith in Jesus. James um, 5, 14 and 15 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. And the prayer offered in faith is faith in Jesus. It's not faith in your faith, uh, whether you have enough faith. or it's, it's faith in Jesus Christ. And prayer is essential. It's one of the ways that we act on our faith in G- Jesus. We pray. We ask others to pray. We continue to pray. And then the second action we need to take is to be flexible and be obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. Uh, Jesus still heals today, but we have to recognize that he heals in a variety of ways. If you think about the healings of Jesus' day, if we were to go out on the street and do some kind of on-the-street interviews and say, how does Jesus heal? Uh, You would get so many different answers, right? One person would likely claim, well, it's in his spit. And uh, he would say, I saw him spit on the ground. He made some mud. He put a uh, packed on this guy's eyes. He went and he washed and he came back seen. Another would say, you're right. I experienced the very same thing. Uh, Jesus spit on the tip of his finger and he touched my tongue, which seemed a little odd at the time, but <laughs> I've been talking ever since. Peter's mother might say, no, no, no. The power's in his hands. You think it's his spit, but it's with his hands that he touched you. He touched me and the fever left. And then a woman would interrupt and say, really, it's not in, you, in him touching you, it's in you touching him. I, I touched the hem of his garment, and I was made completely well. And still others would say, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. It's in his word. 
he just speaks a word. And and, and, uh, my daughter was healed. My servant was well. My son came back to life. Jesus healed in a variety of ways when he was on earth, and and he heals in a variety of ways today. And and sometimes he heals through natural processes, right? Um, Broken bones mend. Colds uh, run their course. And all we have to do is wait for our body to do what God created it to do, heal itself. Sometimes God heals through medical knowledge. You got a doctor here uh, this morning. Many of you have had new hips or new knees, uh, new corneas, even in maybe a new heart. Uh, some of you have been healed through radiation, through chemotherapy. Has anybody gotten some help from an antibiotic uh, at some point in your life? Right. But sometimes God intervenes and heals in miraculous ways. And the story of God's healing um, over the last 2,000 years are so diverse and, and so different that we can't put God in a box and say, this is how Jesus heals, and this is the only way he heals. And one really prominent story that has come out in the last couple of years is the story that's told in the movie Miracles, of Heaven, Miracles from Heaven. Has anybody seen the, that movie? It's about this little girl who, uh, it's a true story, who came down with an incurable stomach disease, and um, she couldn't process food. It kept her from digesting food properly. And her stomach was always distended, and it was, uh, she was always in extreme, extreme pain. She was on really strong pain medicine. And her parents and her church were praying fervently for her. Then one day, she's climbing a tree with her sister, and the limb breaks. She falls down inside this hollowed-out cottonwood tree, 30 feet, on her, lands on her head, and it's five hours before the firefighters can get her out of there. And during that five hours, she says that she went and she was sitting on Jesus' lap, and Jesus told her, uh, when the firefighters get you out of here, you're going to be all right. And she was. She was completely healed. God's ways are not our ways. And, you know, no one would have prayed, God, let her fall on her head. You know, (laughs) this is the only way we're going to (laughs) accept uh, her forgiveness. But that's how God healed her. And God was very, Jesus was very creative in the ways that he healed, and he still is. So we have to be flexible about how he heals us. Sometimes he heals in an instant. Sometimes he heals over time, a period of time. Sometimes he delivers from an addiction instantaneously. At other times, he gives us the conviction and the strength to, to quit. Uh, sometimes he heals through doctors and medicine, sometimes in extraordinary, m- miraculous ways. And because God heals in many ways, that means that we have to be flexible, and we have to also be listening and obedient to God's Holy Spirit, what God is telling us to do. Uh, I remember Herb told me about a guy who had a pinched nerve in his back, and he felt that uh, God was telling him to walk with crutches, and he did, and God healed him in that way. Um, and so we have to listen for the Spirit's leading. Uh, Jesus often required some kind of response. Um, he sent one man to the pool of Siloam to wash, right? He sent the ten lepers to uh, report to the priest, to show themselves to the priest. He could have healed them right there and then, but he didn't. It was on their way being obedient to what Jesus told them to do, that they were healed. 
And we don't know if or when God will heal, but we need to listen and respond to his promptings and pray and ask that he will. Then the third thing is to continue to trust and glorify God with your life. Uh, We know that God does heal. He heals physical, emotional, mental, relational hurts, uh, all kinds of healing. But we also know that he doesn't always heal in the way or in the time frame that we have. And there are times when we won't experience healing this side of heaven. Um, My dad was a pastor, and he had kidney cancer at age 60, uh, his church was praying. The, you know, many in the United Methodist denomination were praying. We were praying. He was praying. You know, of course, mom was praying, and um, he he never was healed. Um, he he died at 60 uh, from kidney cancer. And a fact of life is that everyone dies a physical death. And the Greek word means I heal. Uh, that means I heal. Also means I save. And God is most concerned about our spiritual salvation. And God can use all the hurts in our life to draw him to himself and to heal us in the most important way of all. And that's the healing of salvation. And we have this promise in Revelation 24, uh, 21, 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things, the way things are now, has passed away. And until that day, we continue to trust God and to seek his healing. And I want you to look back up at the top of your message notes there and the the names that you have written down or the situations. Whatever it is that you've written down there or, or thought about but didn't want to write down, Jesus cares about that situation. And if it's a person, Jesus loves that person as much as he loved Peter's mother-in-law. So why not ask Jesus to heal it? Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus still heals. He releases people from the bondage of addiction. He changes hearts. He cures diseases. He bridges broken relationships. He binds up wounds if we ask. And I'm going to be anointing for healing uh, during communion. This is an opportunity to come and ask Jesus to touch and heal whatever you name there on your paper or whatever's on your heart. If you know someone that needs healing, I invite you to come and be prayed for. And so we're going to go to the Lord's Supper first this morning, and I'll pray over the elements and consecrate those. We're told in Scripture that it's the blood of Jesus that heals us. Our memory verses from Isaiah 53, and where it says it's by his stripes that we are healed. So I invite you to come and have the communion, then either pray at the altar or uh, come over for prayer. But I'm going to be praying for healing, and I'd like to ask that if someone comes up for prayer, and God is nudging you and saying, you know, go and pray for that person. That it's not just me and Chris is going to come too, but it's not just us praying. That if God leads you to come, then respond to that. Um, he says in his word that he puts spiritual gifts in everybody, uh, the church body. So there are those of you here that God is going to urge to come and pray for people. 
So I encourage you to do that and feel free to, to come as God leads you. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we acknowledge that you have healed in the past, that you're a God of miracles, that you've healed in ordinary um, ways that you've created us to heal, that you heal through doctors and nurses. And I just want to pray for anybody that's in the medical profession, God, that you'll give them a fresh anointing to do the work that you've given them to do and to help them to uh, be enabled by you and empowered by you to do that. And I I pray this morning, God, that you'll give us all um, your Holy Spirit's presence enables to to put our faith in you and to act on that faith. If there's anybody here, God, that you want to heal this morning, don't let them stay seated in their seat. Bring them forward and help us, God, as we pray for them to, to pray in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we invite your Holy Spirit to come now and fill us and enable us to do the work of healing. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.